that is one of the problems that I feel like I run into with our cryptid countdown, which is we do a Halloween. It's like an advent calendar, but it's a countdown to Halloween. Is how many variations of a Bigfoot can I make and yeah. still feel good about it? Hello, makers. Welcome to the Making Conversation podcast, where we chat all about making the app and the act. I'm Jen, head of marketing here at Making. My pronouns are she, her. My making app username is Knit Pearl. Now, today's guest, I have not actually met in real life, although I kind of feel like I know them, like kindred spirit and all that jazz. So how we met was one day I was scrolling Twitter. I refused to call it the other thing. We are not, we're, I, yeah, we're not going to. And I saw a tweet about the whole thing about like crochet and fast fashion. And if you buy fast fashion that is crochet, those people are not making a living wage and you should just learn how to do it. And so I retweeted it and then we just became friends everywhere. And then they joined the making app and everybody, please welcome Kelly. Hello. Hello. I actually scrolled back because I still have my account. I actually deleted my Twitter account, which was like a very sad day for me. But I'm yeah, on Blue Sky if people want to find me. <laughs> I use that kind of platform as just a way to dump my dumb inner thoughts. And I couldn't leave it behind entirely. So Blue Sky it is. Oh, if you were like a weirdo on Twitter, it's a good place to be. I, I will say, that. and I don't know if I can say this word on this podcast, it is much hornier than Twitter ever was. <laughs> I, that is not where I thought you were going. <laughs> you heard it here first, if you're not on Blue Sky. Hi, my name's you Kelly heard it here first. <laughs> my pronouns are say them. <laughs> um, my making username is at die mad, as in D-Y-E mad. And I am based in Columbus, Ohio. So-called Columbus, Ohio. We're going to get into uh, your love of Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> which, you know, kind of is all throughout your business and your shop. But, you know, just as a quick reminder for anyone listening, which, okay, if you're a maker and you still don't know about this, I feel like, I don't know what, I don't know what planet you've been on, but just a reminder that crochet fast fashion, bad news. I actually pulled this. I did a little, a little Google because I was like, ooh, I, how much do these people actually make? Because I mean, it's obviously, probably it probably changes. Piece. Yeah. Per piece. So think about the last time you made anything. And, and this doesn't have to be crochet. Like knit, painting, quilting, and how long that took. And how much you put into it. I actually found something from morganpawprint.com, which is the Morgan School in Connecticut. I was like, oh, I love the young people are out in it. They're talking about it. And Abby Vitola, basically, this is just the like first thing I saw. I She doesn't say where she got this information, but it, it checks out. So even if it isn't perfect, it's still like somewhat accurate enough to where if you hear this, you should never buy crochet fast fashion. But fast fashion pieces typically cost three to fifteen dollars. And think about the days that it takes to make anything absurd and workers are being paid on average 18 cents per piece my tweet was like a condemnation of crochet fast fashion specifically because there is in no world a justifiable wage for crochet crochet clothing cl crochet fast fashion but i am kind of in the camp that like all fast fashion is also bad 
Oh, totally. Yes, 100%. But, but we do live under late stage capitalism. So there is no ethical consumption under late stage capitalism. So I can't mm -hmm. outright condemn all people who use fast fashion because of other barriers to trying other like slow fashion or thrifted fashion. Mm -hmm. There's so many mm -hmm. barriers to what people can do. But like, I do not think that crochet fast fashion is justifiable in any sense. That's just a nice to have. There is no... And I love this about crochet, but it is not an efficient way to make something. And that's actually yeah. what was so frustrating about that Twitter thread is how many people who were arguing with me that there were crochet machines. No, there is not a crochet machine and there will never be a crochet machine because there is no financial incentive to make a crochet machine. <laughs> I feel like I just like made a syllabus <laughs> in the replies of that tweet. It was very impressive. But the, how many people were arguing with you? I was just like, but why? And then I was like, oh, yeah, it's the Internet and it's Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely part of it is it's the internet and it's Twitter and people like to argue. Part of it is is ignorance and not understanding how fabric is made and how different fabrics are made, especially if you're like, why would there not be a crochet machine if there are crochet stitches? Because you don't have yeah. any base understanding of how fabric is made, which is okay. You don't live in a world where you have to know that. Do I think people <laughs> and clothing and things in general would be better if we understood how fabric was made and how clothing was made? Yeah, because... There are really badly made pieces of clothing out there. I feel like more people are taking to educating themselves about many different things. And there will always be the people who just won't. Yeah, clothing is one of those interesting things. That as we look at inflation over the last hundred years, the cost of education, the cost of housing, the cost of transportation have all just like skyrocketed. And like mm -hmm. clothing has actually been one of the few things that has gone down. And it's because of yeah mass market oh fast gosh. fashion we have more clothing than we will ever need and we pay less for it than we ever did yep we talked a little bit about this i had a couple people on to talk about like mending and thrifting and we talked about the fast fashion industry just a, a tiny bit but how much that is made that doesn't even see the light of day it's just so disgusting yeah and that's not even talking about what the fabric itself is made out of so much of it is just plastic let's talk about something happy where did your maker journey start like what where did this all come from that's kind of funny because my parents had my mom had this belief she's like you're gonna grow up and live in spain on the riviera and become an artist and like i don't know where that came from because i liked drawing but it wasn't until like I was probably a junior or senior in high school until I picked up yarn and here I am today. I, I learned from a high school now ex-boyfriend's mom. <gasps> yeah. I learned from an ex-boyfriend's mom too. Oh, <laughs> let's start a club. Yeah. His parents and his family are wonderful people and, you know, obviously are a huge influence on who I am today, whether or not they want to be. I know. I kind of think of that, too. I highly doubt that any of this has ever gotten back to her just because of the, how long ago this was and all of that. But I'm like, if she would ever find out that I now work for an app and the reason that I work for the app is because of, you know, many different things, but also because I love knitting and that is because of her. And <laughs> yeah, I started crocheting and then. I picked up knitting. No, actually, that's not that's a lie. I picked up spinning after I picked up crochet. And then once I understood how yarn was made and like how the twists work as far as making different fabrics, I think that finally actually made my brain click with knitting. 
and also learning continental that helped a lot and now i quilt and i embroider and i dye yarn (laughs) and Mm -hmm. i guess the next thing is i just get a sheep so (laughs) just one just one hangs out in the shop yeah that's no there's not enough space in the shop there's not even there's not enough space in my backyard for a sheep i live Mm, in the city that's fair yeah, we want to be nice to the sheep. So maybe sheep is like when you live on the Riviera. Is that what? Yeah, the, the Spanish yeah. Riviera. The Spanish Riviera. We move to the Spanish Riviera. We buy a sheep. Yes. There we go. Currently, right now, your go-to medium. I mean, obviously, you own a yarn shop. So That's are true. you? do you feel like you're knitting more, crocheting more? Do you have time I... for any of that? <laughs> oh, no. I. That's all, all I do. I decided to do the 100 day project this year and I saw I was going to do 100 days of embroidery and I got through most of that and then I was like I don't want to do this anymore because embroidery was like my sixth craft it was not my like first second third fourth fifth choice I only did it because I wanted to get better at it which I did I do not enjoy it any better (laughs) sorry to all the embroidery artists out there I love you anyway no Um, yeah but the problem with somebody who hyper focuses on their crafts is now i have a bunch of repetitive stress injuries so i mm. i do a lot of quilting these days but i do still knit when my elbow is not trying to kill me that's so. nice what do you do when you're not making or running a yarn shop or anything along those craftiness lines i have a six-year-old so mostly that yeah yeah uh, yeah <laughs> I have also been trying to learn how to read again. I know that's a weird way to say it, but like, I, it no, was no, like, I know what you mean. It was like my main thing I did as a child. I would ignore what was going on in class and just read, uh, which, yes, got me in trouble. And yes, my son is also doing that. Oops. So I'm mostly just trying to relearn how to read, sit down, and read. And I've read more books this year than I have in the last 10. So I have made progress Yay. on that front. That's awesome. I also have a husband I have to spend time with sometimes. Yes, that's fair. <laughs> okay, so I want to chat about your yarn shop. Cool. So you opened it in September 2022, and it's, it's called Diamond Yarns. Yeah, yeah. Love we, it. This weekend will be our one year anniversary, which is bonkers. <gasps> Happy anniversary! That's Thanks. my song for you. I Yay. hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like our anniversary just like, kicks off our busy season. It is definitely a wild ride from here on out, and also my birthday yeah. season. Happy birthday! I won't sing that to you, though. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) We opened the shop last September. We've been in business since May of 2020, but opened the shop front. I was previously in a studio space at one of the local artist studios, but I wanted, you know, air conditioning because it turns out working with boiling water and wool makes for a bad time in August in Ohio. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So that doesn't sound very fun. We're in the heart of downtown Columbus, Ohio. We're a block north of the state house. We're on Gay Street which I love. We're between High Street and 3rd. So we're on Gay and High going down on 3rd. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a shirt that says I'm High and Gay. No, it just says Gay and High, yes. Gay and High. Oh, it just says Gay and High. Nice. Um, I love that. Yeah. That was our, our Pride fundraiser shirt this year. I am honestly just yes. baffled no one had done it before. There's an intersection in the city that's Gay and High. Come on. And for all Ohio listeners on here, marijuana is on the ballot in November. So vote to legalize. Yes. 100%. Also abortions on the ballot in Ohio too. So just go out and vote in November, please. Oh, yeah. Please, everyone, no matter if you're in Ohio or not, vote. Please vote. 
Please. I mean, it's 2023, so most of what you're going to see is probably going to be local elections and, le- and levies. So I've, I would say that those are actually more important than federal. And I am a former 100%. organizer, so I know what I'm talking about. Oh, my gosh. Well, maybe we should do a whole other episode. Why everybody needs to get out and vote. I still can't believe how many people don't vote. It blows my mind. I'm not going to fault anybody for it, for how many Voting Rights uh, Act violations there have been well, the last yeah. years. I, I should have clarified my statement. I feel like it's like the people who it is very easy to do so and then they do not like that. I don't don't yeah. be that person. Okay, I mean, people, there's def- if you're watching or listening, don't be that person. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely like a spectrum of easy too. I mean, there there are some I, people who aren't apathetic but don't see the point. And I understand that for a lot of smart respect perspectives especially like in a state like ohio or like where i'm from south carolina where it doesn't like it feels not not only like an uphill battle but just like impossible so yeah i, I understand it and it's definitely i it's definitely a starting point and not a be-all end-all kind of thing to organize around yeah but you're right i went in the route of just blanket statements and well that's not necessarily the best way to go these are things that we need to be talking about right well no matter how upsetting they are i should have known <laughs> we would get I, here <laughs> my values are integral to my business i'm sorry <laughs> but it's the same with us and we do really appreciate every time a business is loud and proud about their values because then it makes it even more like a you know where you're putting your money and b it makes it easier for everybody to be that way that wants to right that's the goal anyway. I mean, what's the yeah. point of being on Gay Street if I don't get to be a little gay or a lot gay? I mean, so. everyone's a little gay. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But yes, the shop is downtown Columbus, block north of the state house. It's a little, it's an itty bitty little shop. It's about 450 square feet. Like it is not a big space, but we do all of our dyeing, all of our shipping there. And we have a little tiny retail area and I'm really proud of it. So you said, but you said that you started Dye Mad Yarns in May of 2020. I did. Yeah. I had picked up spinning and knitting and I was like, well, how, what's dying like? And I was like, oh, I can't keep all this yarn in my house. <laughs> Would other people be interested in yarn? And it turns out the answer was yes. I, I think dyeing was different than all of the other making hobbies I have because it was not something that I was going to do as a hobby for very long because mm-hmm. it is just not something that is sustainable if you like to do it with any sort of regularity because there's only so fast I can move through yarn. So was it just, I want to try this new hobby, I'm going to pick this up, and then you ran with it? Or was it like, I can't find a specific color and I want to try and make this specific color? Like I had an inspiration and I had some colorways in mind and I thought other people would enjoy them too because some of my first colors were inspired by the weird eccentricities of Ohio. So that was pretty easy to run with pretty much immediately. But it was just like, I want to try this other way to make something and way to work with color and fiber. It's a weird way of becoming a commercial artist, I guess. You know, creativity leads the way, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Every single color that we've ever dyed has an inspiration first, and then we pick the colors. I feel like most dyers, and I could be wrong, I could be entirely off base, I have no idea. They will pick colors and then pick a name. I do want to read from your website. My inspirations for yarn are largely from my state of residence, my chosen home. So Ohio, as we have stated. So it says that you grew up in the South and it says Ohio is not like the South except when it is. And Ohio is weird. I don't mean in the craft brewery on every corner. Keep 
Austin, Portland, Asheville weird bullshit kind of way. I mean, Grandpa's Cheese Barn, Hell is Real, Lucky Cat Museum, absolute nonsense, weird. Weird as in Ohio has always been weird and there is absolutely nothing you can do about it. (laughs) But I do need to know more about Grandpa's Cheese Barn and the Lucky Cat Museum. Oh, well, I can assume what hell is real means, but sure. yeah, I mean, I feel like all of the Midwest gets the hell is real sign. We all share it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But Grandpa's Cheese Barn is exactly what you think it would be. It is a roadside attraction in Ashland, Ashland Ohio. That is just a, it, it was started by man and his he was collectively grandpa. He actually only and this is sad. Actually, he died last year and then grandma died like oh. a few days later. He was oh. 90. It was it's, they were it's very sad. <laughs> But there's just a bunch of cheese. You, the, he's got a bunch of cheese. There's a bunch of different flavors. You could also buy fudge and ice cream and beef jerky and popcorn. I will say Grandpa's Cheese Barn would be my heaven because I love cheese. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you get a little bit of everything going I-71 and I-75 in Ohio. There's also Big Butter Jesus at, at I-75. Well, okay, that's not true. He's not there anymore. He's been stuck, struck by lightning twice. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning a... so much right now. <laughs> yeah. Big Butter Jesus was just like a giant statue of Jesus. And they have built him twice. And he's been struck by lightning twice. And Made of butter? No. He was just kind of a yellowish okay. color. So he looked like he was made out of butter. Which is a Got thing okay. know, in the Midwest because people make statues out of butter at our state fairs. He was also called $5 foot long Jesus because it looked like he was just... Dollar foot tall, and then he was also called Touchdown Jesus because he had his arms touchdown. Yeah, that's a customizable Jesus. It sounds like so he's struck by lightning. It's almost like you're not supposed to build idols or something. Oh my god! Wow, what a concept. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) I now understand why Ohio is weird. I do want to know what was your very first inspiration for your very first yarn dyeing experience i'm trying to think of like my first five colors i know that hell is real was one of my first colors and so was grandpa's cheese barn (laughs) and then i did one that was like called neon coral that i just really like coral so it was just like a layered pink and yellow that made like a really pretty tonal coral and then i had i did one that was just like my favorite colors that was just called it's our shop colorway like it doesn't have an inspiration there's just colors i like and it's called hawk which makes sense because our logo is a goose, which is inspired by the Midwest phenomena of a porch goose. Are you familiar with a porch goose? I mean, I could guess. Sure. But... Yes. So, and there's actually an Atlantic <laughs> article all about porch geese and the resurgence of porch geese. They were a really big oh thing, gosh. I think, in the 80s, but like mm-hmm. I think they peaked in the 80s. They were around before then, but they peaked in the 80s. And they were actually initially manufactured in central Ohio up in Delaware County. And they're just concrete geese that you put on your porch and then you dress them in seasonal outfits of course you do i felt the 80s was the peak time for geese so you're bringing it back and i appreciate that it's actually it's really funny because i think this was after we changed to this new branding there's a gallery on the fifth floor of the building my shop is in and there was a porch goose themed gallery and it was about somebody she lives in la but she's from columbus and she did it kind of like about the dichotomy between like kind of the kitschy wholesomeness of the porch goose versus some of like the violence and hatefulness and like bigotedness that comes out of 
Ohio and Indiana in the Midwest because this region mm, of the country yeah. has like the highest concentration of like hate groups. It was really yeah. interesting and a really cool exhibit. All of this is leading us to our topic of discussion. So as we head into spooky season, I feel like I should like drop my voice and <laughs> <laughs> we're going to we're going to talk about cryptids. So you also have a yarn collection. I do. That and it is called the cryptid collection. Year. Yes. I love that you add to it, too. So, it, I mean, they're beautiful. They're all oh, named you. after cryptids. And we're going to tell the tales of a few cryptids and talk about, like, why you chose the cryptid, why you chose the color. I just kind of want to hear the connection there, even if it's just an obvious one. <laughs> yeah. Our first year, we did it fall of 2020. So it was our first Halloween collection. And the original lineup was Mothman, naturally. Melonheads. Hasserot Angel, which is not a cryptid, but is spooky. Loveland Frogman, Lake Erie Monster. Yeah, Mud Mermaid was from our second year and is probably my favorite in the collection. I don't know. I love Frogman too a lot, but I just love frogs. <sighs> They're all so good. Okay, before we dive into that, let's talk about, I know you talked a little bit about your embroidery, but what are you working on right now? This weekend is our Saturday hour. We're open on a Saturday once a month. It doesn't make sense for us to be open because we're in the financial district. So we're only open on a Saturday once a month. And this is the Saturday, which is also our anniversary. Um, and actually... That'll be the debut of our fall collection this year, which is Heather's inspired because Heather's is set in Ohio. I love all of this. This is so good. And Heather's for anyone. I'm assuming you mean the movie. Yes. Yes. Okay. Just yes. If you if anyone watching or listening has not watched Heather's, that is something that needs to happen. So add yeah, that to your list not, of to-dos. It's yeah. not like really Halloween-y, but it definitely fits the vibe. It fits the vibe. Yeah. It It works. We kind of waffled on whether or not we were going to do... Because there's a, there's a couple of like, horror movies set in Ohio. There's Silence of the Lambs. There's Nightmare on Elm Street. There's Heathers. There's a movie called Thanks Killing. So we had a lot of uh-huh. really great... I, there's, we, there, we had a lot of really what great options. About? <laughs> uh, we were going to do just like movie set in Ohio was going to be the theme. But there's so much inspiration from Heathers. That we really just had to stick to one movie this year. <laughs> Personally. Fun. I am working on this quilt. <gasps> oh my god, love! Okay, so explain it for the people who are listening. <laughs> it is the sure. It is the polar peekaboo quilt by. Hold on, I can find the notes real fast. By Kelly Fannin Quilt Designs, and it is a narwhal and a penguin and a polar bear, and it's like a three by three kind of block quilt. My brother asked me to make a quilt for his friend's baby, and he's paying me to do so. So I'm making a quilt. Nice. And it's really cute. It's it is not... really cute. It's really cute. Yeah. So I finished the quilt top last night, and now I just have to like you know actually quilt it. Mm-hmm. I have like three sweaters on my needles and a pair of socks and all that fun stuff. I'm working on a sample mm-hmm. net for the shop. There's a color we recently released. It's called Longa Burger Picnic Basket, which is inspired by the world's largest picnic basket which is in around Newark, Ohio, and it is the former <laughs> office headquarters of Longer Burger Picnic Baskets, which went out of business in, like, 2018. But you can still find it. All of the Amish country thrift and antique shops if you just desire a Longer Burger Picnic Basket. It feels like the inspiration of Ohio is endless. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> oh, and everything has a story connected. It's wonderful. That's yeah, wonderful. It, yeah, I tell people when they come up to Boost that shows, if you have a question about the name, please ask me. There is a story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had been working on the mini mock neck tank. 
I Jesse made in a beautiful yarn and I finished it and I just haven't had a chance to put it on and take photos. But it, I, I thought it was such a lovely um, piece and pattern that I started to make another one. <laughs> These I got when I went to hang out with Amy and Jess on Bainbridge at La Mercerie. Love you, Amy yarn. Nice. I have yarn in the pattern to make Jessie's racerback tank, which she released around the same time as the mini mock neck. Her patterns are just so well written and so versatile and so lovely. Yeah. Yes. That was, and the reason that I wanted to make another one was because of that, but also because like the first one that I made was dark purple and then this one's going to be like this lighter color. Unfortunately, I did get a fair amount into it and then I had to frog it. I literally don't know how I did this. I'm like, how did I not catch this? How did I, how did this happen? But one of the straps was twisted. Oh no. And there was no coming back from that. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of unsalvageable. So I had to frog it last night. And I was really excited because I got to the part where it was just straight stockinette until you got to the ribbing. And I was like, this is going to be the best. Like, I just walk around with it. Nope. I have to start over. So it's fine. The yarn is like really nice to knit with. So and also it's just like a practice in patience and a reminder that it's okay to frog things. And no matter how long you have been crafting at all, there you will make mistakes. <laughs> it's true. I am, with all of my knitting projects right now, I'm at the point where all of them are in stockinette, which is great if you just like want to do some mindless knitting, but I don't want to do that on five different projects. So I'm just like, I no, don't want to work on any of these. <laughs> and I cannot start another one because I have five of them. That's true. I feel it. What if the what if you finished one and then the reward was starting the next one? Yeah, that probably will be, but that does require actually finishing one. So that's we'll fair. See. Yeah, let's talk about these cryptids because I'm very excited about this. So for anyone that does not know what a cryptid is, and I mean, I feel like most people do, but you know, from Miriam Webster. An animal such as a Sasquatch or the Loch Ness Monster that has been claimed to exist but never proven to exist. I feel like a short way a short way to say that is a mythical creature that is too new to be called a mythical creature. I like that. Yeah, that's better. You're be Sorry, Miriam. We found a better one. <laughs> the stuff of urban legends. So, as you said before your first release of these yarns that you had it was mothman lake Erie monster loveland frogman and that was it right and melon one melon head got it okay melon so, heads is interesting i'm sorry that i can just nerd out about no, everything no, no, no. jump in your melon heads is interesting because that is out of kirtland ohio and it's there's a couple different versions of it and actually there's a couple different versions of melon heads that aren't ohio based there's some in north carolina and michigan and connecticut but like there was a doctor experimenting on children in the woods and oh. there's some different backgrounds about them like having hydrocephalus and some of them just being a monster injecting them with fluid. Anyway, the good news is that they eventually killed the doctor and are just orphans running around the woods that have become cryptids. 
<gasps> the point of this being interesting is that Kirtland, Ohio is also the first Mormon settlement, not like in Ohio, but in existence of Mormonism. And I just think that those two combined are a very weird combination. Yeah. That is. I'm going to agree with that. <laughs> yeah. So beware of the melon heads. Where are they out again? Kirtland, Ohio. Got it. So, yeah. okay. Well, I don't have that on my vacation list anytime soon, but I will be That's aware. Fine. You do have stickers that have some of these cryptids like performing crafts. I do. So we have the Mothman is knitting and that's understandable. Moth's knitting. That feels right. The Sasquatch is spinning. His own fur. Yes. Oh my God. And that, I was like, that feels right. That feels like something that a Sasquatch would do. And it's absolutely adorable. But then what would happen? The Sasquatch would get cold. No, because it would have yarn to make clothes with. He's just making himself yeah. some socks. Yeah, I love it. Okay. And then there the frogman is cross stitching. Yes. I don't, I don't really get that a, one. I don't either. I didn't design these actually. These uh, were designed by Lyra oh. Purugan, who is a local artist. Mothman has never looked more adorable. That's true. <laughs> I really like the opportunity to like work with other weird Ohioans. <laughs> yeah. When they're doing weird Ohio things, I'm just like, yes, hello. <laughs> So Mothman, I do have a question about that because I did not research every cryptid that is named for your yarns here. So I feel like when I hear about Mothman, it's from West Virginia, like specifically Point Pleasant. So tell me more about that and its connection to Ohio. And you would actually be correct in that assumption. The only (laughs) claim that I can really make to Mothman is that the bridge that he prophesized would come down is over the Ohio River. And across the bridge from Point Pleasant is Gallipolis, Ohio. So it is just really on the border of the two states. So I will not claim Mothman from Ohio. I would really just like to borrow him sometimes. And you know what? I feel like I'm allowed to do that because Chicago has their own Mothman. So like clearly he travels. He does. And I also just really revealed my lack of geography knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Mothman travels and Jen doesn't really know that corner of the u.s very well clearly <laughs> i can't even really say that like a lot of the hype comes from like the mothman prophecies movie because it was so long ago that your love of mothman is from that it's just like bonkers at this point it's richard Gere movie <laughs> from like the 90s there yeah, is a mu- the museum that. is a based around that movie but it was just he was attacking some teens doing naughty teen things in the 60s mm. and then a bridge collapsed and they're like oh my god mothman predicted the collapse of this bridge that killed like 23 people or Probably more than that. I have to yeah. check my facts on that. And, you know, some people like to get stoned and think about things like that. And they're like, what if Mothman is a higher being and he is trying to communicate to us, but we cannot understand what Mothman is trying to communicate because we do not <laughs> perceive the world yeah. on a higher plane of existence as Mothman does. As Mothman does, yeah. <laughs> He's just a large humanoid moth. He's got red eyes and large wings and possibly some antenna well there you go and does visit chicago apparently which that's fair it's a great town i love chicago maybe mothman is like i love deep dish pizza hell yeah i must go to chicago i want to talk about the mud mud mermaid because i mean it is the yarn is beautiful If, if you're watching on youtube it's probably like right here I'm, I put it up on the screen from Cryptid Week Wiki. 
encrypted wiki. That's uh, those are words. If this is any of this is wrong, please do correct me because obviously <laughs> you are the expert and I am not. So mud mermaids are mermaid like creatures commonly believed to have lived in the muddy banks of the Ohio River during the early 19th and 20th centuries. They were recounted in an 1839 Pennsylvania newspaper as being about four feet high, covered with a light coat of chestnut colored hair. They're also described as having a yellowish skin color webbed and webbed feet at the end of their four limbs. Though different sightings reported the creature having slightly different attributes, which is maybe why you just made that face. <laughs> They are always described as having vaguely humanoid and amphibious features, and they run and swim at high speeds and let out loud screeches and yelps when pursued. Yes. My my source and research has been uh, on the banks of the Cincinnati River, uh, or in Cincinnati, mm -hmm. and it was covered mm -hmm. by the Cincinnati Inquirer, <laughs> um, which is like a legitimate oh, yeah. news uh, so like source and it's still around today the sightings of them in cincinnati have have them like chasing people and screaming at them and not being like the sirenous mermaids of like sailors lore like they are terrifying which i think is like so funny that like the yarn that we made is just like these beautiful earthy pastels because we're trying to look like the mud of a, of a river mottled skin actually like, we mm -hmm. find that a lot in our cryptid yarns oh these beautiful pe beachy pinks i was like thanks that's flesh it's flesh <laughs> <laughs> There you are. Now, every time anybody makes anything with a pink yarn, they will think of that. <laughs> it's all about context, baby. Yep, that's true. When you are picking these colors, how does, it, think, how does it work for you? I think every single dyer is going to be different because there really aren't a lot of resources to how to dye yarn. There's not one right way to do it. A lot of your dyes, opacity and dark and depth of shade comes from your depths of shade, which is like how much, how many grams per, how many liters of water to your citric acid. And I am not a chemist. I yeah. <laughs> do not measure things out by the gram. I am very much like a imperial system. Fourth of a teaspoon to three cups of water. Let's go. I don't know why people do the depths of shade. I'm sure it has to do with or like weight of goods to depths of shade and like percentages and chemistry and math. I... I'm sure that there is like a level of consistency that would be achieved if I did that. I have not noticed it. And that is why you buy all the yarn you need at one time for your projects. So your dye lots match. <laughs> but the way we pick colors is every time we get a new dye, we dye a mini skein and add it to our wall of colors. So we just have like in the back room, we have just a wall that is our rainbow of every single dye that we have collected in our time. Oh so I knew that I wanted something more pastel, which means less dye. I knew that I wanted earthy tones. So I was like, like an olive, I wanted like a clay red. And then obviously we needed a blue from the river. So it kind of worked out together. And like, well, the way some of the dye like blends together, it's like some purple flecks or like some purple blending or like a, like a, like a, deeper teal because of the green and the blue so it just it comes together really beautifully i don't think there is a standard way to discuss how you dye something across the industry because when mm -hmm. actually my co-owner and i are like so how do you dye this do you do it with stripes or like or in, is it just vibes it's just vibes <laughs> i don't know again creativity leads the way yeah i don't know what standardization in this industry would look like but i am not leading the way mm -hmm. on that one I mean, I've that I don't know. Maybe that kind of 
is connected to a phrase that I like to say around here a lot, and that is perfection is boring. (laughs) So if everything was the exact same, would it all look the exact same? Anyways, I think that's great that it's a little bit more like it's based on vibes. I want to know if anybody has recorded a screeching and has been like, I think that is uh, Mud Mermaid. There's so many other options of potential creatures that aren't, I mean, that aren't even cryptids that it could be. But like, there's so many other other cryptids that be screaming. I know. They're all very screamy, aren't they? (laughs) It's relatable. My 21-year-old cat likes to scream a lot. Maybe she's a cryptid now. Be the local cryptid you wish to see in your woods. <laughs> Bella, the really, really tiny cat cryptid. I love that. Okay. I know she's yeah. very cute. Love her. It is very interesting to me, like the sharp increase in interest in cryptids because I don't know what it's coming from or like what it's what it says about society. There's like a, a, a rapid increase in founding of regional cryptid festivals. They are just like kind of kitschy, fun, like regional festivals. Maybe the cryptids were like, I'm going to come out more and then there's more sightings and people are talking about it more and there's, you know, paranormal shows that are covering it. That's where my mind goes. Yeah. I I also like to think about like monster symbolization and I I don't know if theory is the right word in like media, like our like fascination with monsters is a reflection of our own identities. Anyway, that's neat. Speaking of monsters orange eyes (laughs) i was gonna somehow tie that to the other orange monster but we don't need to talk we don't need to give any airtime to that orange monster nah yeah that is ohio's flavor of sasquatch so orange eyes is a sasquatch yes i love it okay we've got sasquatch sightings obviously in in washington Washington. i feel like there's just like regional variations of a big of a big hairy man (laughs) We're all freaked out by that, which is fair. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but right terrifying there. in general. So you know. <laughs> so there's like the Yeti, there's the Sasquatch, there's Bigfoot, there there's Orange Eyes. It's all just regional uh, regional variations on a theme. Orange Eyes is a little bit cliche in the sense that he attacked some teenagers who were necking on Lovers Lane because there's legitimately a Lovers Lane in like Worcester, Ohio. Why are all of these cryptids like being the moral police with teenagers <laughs> that's a good that's a good reflection and a good point maybe they are not actually events maybe they are just moralization police so it says that orange lived under a cleveland cemetery and yeah i don't know what that means lives near mill lake Oh, now. Okay. The first sighting dates back to March 28th, 1959. And that's when the attack happened at Lover's Lane. Again, I don't understand why that's happening. But, you know, not paying attention and out in the darkness. Maybe that's just why. Why can't we return to the good old days of America where our teenagers were getting attacked? (laughs) On Lover's Lane. By monsters. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, he's, I mean, like you said, he's a hairy Bigfoot beast is what this says. A a large Sasquatch, but glowing orange eyes. eyes. Mm -hmm. I feel like we've had a really hard time because I feel like every every year I have released this killer and every year I'm not keeping this killer around. And it's because there's only so many variations you can do of an orange and green and brown yarn that doesn't look like camo. And I don't know if you would guess this, but people who are really into camo are not my demographic. (laughs) 
That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, I do enjoy these colors, but I think what drew me to talking about this one, when you hover over the photo on your website, it like shows a photo of possible orange eyes sighting that makes me really happy <laughs> makes me really happy i have a lot of love in my heart for for bigfoot and sasquatch we actually have two little bigfoot statues in our shop that uh, were gifted to us from Lindsay at stilly rivers yarn in stanwood uh washington Lava. so we also have the night crawler so i don't know why when I went to your site, I thought it was just the Nightcrawler, but it is called the Fresno Nightcrawler, is this Which, yarn. Yeah, it wouldn't be entirely accurate, although the Fresno Nightcrawler is the most well-known. They actually have been sighted mm -hmm. in Indiana as well. Oh, okay. I found an article by Kaylin Tenkoski. I'm sorry, Kaylin. I never say anyone's name right. It's called, What is the East Coast Nightcrawler? I will say the Nightcrawl yarn is beautiful. It's like a lovely, like, mixture of mints and darker color, which I think is that black. It's like a charcoal. But the charcoal, inspiration yeah. for the Fresno Nightcrawler yarn was we wanted it to look like CCTV, just like night night vision cameras, because that's the mm -hmm. only way he's been sighted is on night vision camera. He looks like a little sentient pair of pants. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. So, yeah, I see it. 100%. Again, if you hover over on the website, it's the little photo pops up of the pants. <laughs> we try to include an inspiration photo whenever we can. It's perfect. Okay, so this article for several days leading up to the actual encounter on August 27th, 2017 in Youngstown, Ohio. Strange things were happening outside the witness, Ron Bakla. Sorry, Ron. I'm just going to apologize after every single time I say somebody's name, unless I absolutely know. According to his submitted case report with the National Cryptid Society, reports of strange clicking noises, trash cans knocked over, and strange droppings in the yard, and the dog consistently alerting around midnight had him spooked. So the Nightcrawler does not adhere to the typical 3 a.m. creepiness. I, I enjoy that. I also would love some more. I would love some mid-afternoon spookiness, personally. Yeah, come on. Okay, Nightcrawler, are you listening? <laughs> Catch me at 2 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> this pair of pants walking down. Okay. So, on the night in question, the dog went crazy as usual, barking in the direction of the back deck. This time, when the homeowner looked out of the window, he saw two eyes looking at him briefly from the backyard. And then the figure took off running down his driveway 15 feet in two seconds he's zooming yes very fast the home security footage captured the moment showing a bird-like figure not particularly tall with long legs and feet that pointed outwards if it was standing still was it in like third position for ballet what yeah. do you mean by pointing outwards? i need to be getting this like specific ready Sorry. for ballet yeah. I know. Ashley at my shop always wants to draw him in like red heels or like kinky boots. <gasps> and then this is a spoiler for the Cryptid Countdown, but she uh, made a sticker. It's a la Flashdance and he's spread out on a chair like in the like iconic movie like, scene. It's very cute. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, now we need the Nightcrawler to come say hi to us at two and then show us their ballet skills. <laughs> yeah. Lunch at two, show at seven. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> 
The witness first stated the creature had dark feathers and a snout. But yeah, I'm like, wait, what? He also this is said the it most didn't detailed appear. I've heard about the, cra- the night I know, crawler. I know. He also said it didn't appear to have arms or wings. <laughs> it just legs. <laughs> I'm like, now I'm confused. It simply appeared to be legs, a torso, and a head, <laughs> which makes Covered sense. Covered in feathers. With his photo. Covered in feathers and a snout. What a bizarre creature! I love him. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Nightcrawler. You've got a fan club here, Nightcrawler. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I talk such a big game. I would be absolutely petrified to run to a Yeah. If any of these things, just a simple ghost, that would, uh, I would, yeah. I, I would never become really, a ghost. I don't think, I wouldn't be able to, I would, be, goodbye, Jen. <laughs> She's gone. <laughs> Were there any other cryptids that you wanted to talk about? I think I would like to mention the Frogman and the Dogman, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I only would have, I'm only mentioning these two because they have also been recently seen. I think <laughs> the Frogman actually might have been seen in 2020, but I know he was seen in 2016 by some teens who were <laughs> playing Pokemon Go. <laughs> oh, okay, I was like, at a lover's lane, come on, no. people. <laughs> no, okay, they were playing, playing Pokemon Go. Yes. Well, and... that's not a Pokemon. That is a frog a four man. foot tall wow. frog yeah so he was first seen in 72 he's roughly four feet tall spotted in loveland ohio and he's one that doesn't travel so that's he's only really been seen there but he was seen in 2016 and i think he was seen in 2020 and sometimes he huh. is portrayed as having like a wizard hat so that's fun i don't really know why he has a wizard hat but i am pro wizard hat i mean fashion obvi <laughs> Come on. You, you're right. I should be thinking bigger picture. I just really like uh, an anthropomorphic frog. Big fan. Four feet tall? Is it now a, is it a giant frog or is it like man slash frog? I think it is. I think it is. He's upright. He's walking upright. And it is funny because it has been debunked before, but then like been seen again. It been debunked mm-hmm. like eggs. It was, it was actually just an iguana that didn't have a tail. <laughs> But it has been seen since then by other people. And then Dogman, there's a Ohio Dogman, and then there's the Michigan Dogman. But it's not a werewolf. It is a Dogman. It's between four to six feet tall, often described as very muscular, with pink or gray skin. And it has been seen on all fours, but it has also been seen bipedally. But it is not, it is specifically not a werewolf. And one of the most recent accounts was like from 2016 in Allen County. And... This is okay. <laughs> this is my favorite quote. The man who just, who saw it described it as a six foot tall creature covering what looked like gray or pink skin with long ears like a Doberman. Its body, he said, was muscular in hell and at full stride. I only saw the back of, back of it, but it had human legs and ass. I could see the striations in its back. It, the thing was definitely muscular. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, that man got a look. Doug man has a gym set up in yeah. <laughs> Doug man <laughs> likes to get swole. <laughs> He's thick. <laughs> it's incredible to me that you're on record saying this about some sort of creature. I love that. I mean, it is Ohio. I was kind of hoping that Dog Man would be. I don't know. My dogs are so cute. I was hoping the dog man would be more like 
adorable. No, I think that's kind of the appeal of cryptids is that they are indeed horrifying. That's um, fair. Okay. Well, yeah, you're right. Okay. And then I do have a question about the squonk. <laughs> what is that? I do take a little credit in like a resurgence of squonk. Squonk is from the Allegheny Forest region of Pennsylvania. And it is described as a pig with skin that is too loose for its body. So a very baggy oh. bag of skin. And its whole premise is that it is self-aware and how ugly it is. And to be perceived is to further recognize how hideous it is. And it bursts into a puddle. Not that it, it does cry, but like it just becomes a puddle and does not, no longer exist. It is only a puddle. So I guess if you ever perceive this squonk, it's gone. You killed the squonk because you saw it. So it doesn't, it's supposed, it just dies? I think so. I don't I mean, know. Again. It, it may reconstitute. <laughs> it may reconstitute once the threat of humanity has been like has left from that puddle of tears. But oh, I don't know. Poor squonk. People feel a real kinship <laughs> with squonk. I too I, am too I ugly do. to be perceived. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, no, but oh, we love the squonk. Okay, our colorway for squonk is a very beachy and beautiful pink with blue speckles for its tears and its flesh now i'm like looking at this in a whole new light because yeah. every time i see pink it, it's flesh and <laughs> it's perfection i love it so everybody go to diamadyarns.com if you haven't already and go look at the cryptid collection because it is it's so much fun I love the inspiration and the stories behind it. And I hope that you enjoyed our little connection between crafting and spooky season with yeah. this storytelling as well. <laughs> so our cryptic countdown, we committed to 31 colors this year. So there will be quite Ooh. a rapid expansion of cryptids starting in October, but they will only be available through the end of November. So if you want your cryptid yarns, you got to move fast, except for our original boys who hang out year round. Got it. Okay. Well, just like the cryptids, if you are not intentional about finding this yarn, it will be gone and you will never see it. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about something cool that we've seen in the making app as we do every single week. Give our little shout outs. Before we jump into that really quick, I do want to say I have finally been putting up the full length flock fiber festival meet and greet chats that we had with some of the vendors that were there. Some of the audio is audioing, meaning, you know, the Wi-Fi was situation was interesting, but you can still hear everything and anything that you can't hear, I cut out. So there you go. And there are just, I, everybody that I chatted with was f a phenomenal human. So if you want a like companion to your crafting throw some of these on YouTube and watch them. You can find them in the app by going to the discover page. And at the top, we're putting them up as I make them available. Or if you go to events, you can also see them there. So what did you see in the making out this week that made you excited? I saw Dimensional Weaving's finished charcuterie weaving, which is incredible. It's so charming. Not only because it is just so incredibly made, but I love a charcuterie board. <laughs> Weaving is also like one of those, just is like magic. I have not yeah. made that leap yet. 
they're just so good at felting. Wait, you know, I told you this earlier, but we talked about it last week because it was like I was scrolling and I thought somebody literally had made saltine crackers and they were just holding them in their hand. And I was like, oh, I didn't, you know, I never thought about making saltine crackers. Wait, that's felted. So it's a woven board with like felted pieces. What? Yeah, which makes it even cooler. Yeah. It's like multi craftual. Rose City Originals, which Chris, we love Chris. They uh, are based in Portland, Oregon, and they made a quilt, and then they also made a hat from the quilt scraps. They say that testing is in high gear for upcoming quilted trucker hat pattern. So keep That's an eye out for that. Let's end with our moment of gratitude. What are you grateful for this week? My son is home sick from school right now, mm -hmm. and I am grateful he is not worse. <laughs> He sounds pretty pitiful and we don't know what it is, but we can probably assume what it is. You know, that's it's, it is that season. So I am, I'm thankful that he am grateful that he is not worse. And that I haven't gotten sick yet. Cause I, I did get COVID for my birthday last year from my one coworker. I have. <laughs> that is not a, that is not an okay birthday gift. Come on. <laughs> it, it was, it's, it sucked. I'm not going to lie. And so I'm, we are going ahead and taking preventative measures and masking at the shop again because September will be so busy and hopefully I'll make it through without getting yeah. sick for my birthday. I hope so too. One of my very favorite things is flying on an airplane with a glass of wine with some sort of tel like TV show or and or movie and knitting on an airplane because i feel like it makes everything like it, it doesn't matter what's happening around you so i'm thankful for my time of sitting and knitting and watching a movie on an airplane it's just it's one of my favorite things and i guess that kind of links to what i like to do when i'm at home and i'm crafting is sitting and watching bad tv okay there's a theme here <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on this is this is great i mean like i said i feel like i do know you and we've never met that that will change eventually if y'all are headed to woolen folk keep an eye out for kelly and die mad yarns yeah and if not catch me literally 24 hours later at mansfield's autumn fiber festival because i'm not always good at planning my things <laughs> i'm gonna have a really it's gonna be a really rough weekend <laughs> that is you okay well what are you going to do to wind down after that <laughs> i'm immediately flying to bellingham washington for a trunk show at northwest yarns maybe i can come up to bellingham yeah i'm bringing yeah. all my cryptids <gasps> love it okay i will we'll talk later about that i'll figure out when that is and yeah maybe we can make that happen that would be fun sounds good cool thanks again for joining appreciate you I appreciate All right. you. To join the very first social marketplace app made for makers, crafters, and artists by makers, crafters, and artists, head to themakingapp.com. Download the app and join the amazing multi-craftual community. You won't regret it. Just so much inspiration and so many wonderful, wonderful humans. Did you know that you can also listen to the Making Conversation podcast in the Making App? Open the app tap on discover and scroll down to podcasts. From there, you'll see all of them listed. 
we've also started putting um, these up on YouTube if you haven't noticed. Uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. I am, I am a one, one woman show. If you're listening, there's a link down below to the episode on YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, there is a link to listen. So choose your own adventure. If you've made it this far and you're interested in sponsoring Making Conversation or having making at an event to collect content, amazing maker stories, vendor stories, etc., send us a note at hq at makingco.com. We would so very much appreciate it if you were to share the podcast with your crafting community, whether that's online or offline. Um, you know, having more eyes and ears always feels real good. So thanks for watching and or listening, and we'll see you in the making app.